And how is your art going? I know that's your that's that's your heart, man, is painting. And you're excellent. How's, how are you doing? Thank you, Sherman. And it's it's great to be here. It's great to see you. And I'm doing extremely well and a daily practice is painting, collaging, uh, a social media project called Love Letters to Life uh, that came about as a result of my sobriety and then some major health issues. Well, let's run the numbers. How long have you been sober? (laughs) March 10th, 1981. So 42 years plus. (laughs) So, look, I'm not going to be cute. You were a teenager. Had to have been, yeah? I'm not, was, I'm not being uh, cute. Yeah. 27 years old. Oh, gosh, okay. And, uh, yeah, first rehab for a year and a half at 17. Yeah. So you knew I was headed at an early age. Uh, drugs got me into the first rehab. And then uh, privileges to start drinking when I became a drug counselor. And that... Uh, had to be give up that drug counseling because the... The boozing became all important. And of course, that led me back onto a few of those powder substances. So in 1981, truthfully, an angel, a social worker at a hospital, instead of letting me be another, be in that hospital another time, said, Pamela, I think that you'll feel understood by the people in recovery. That was it. I went to a meeting and... Where? Westport, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And I lived in Westport, Connecticut, New York City for 10 years. Uh, Loved the community, the fellowship. Uh, Thoroughly enjoyed my life there. And I had an opportunity to come out to Santa Fe, New Mexico in 1989. And in 1991, boom, I found myself for a year visit, which turned into, here we are, in 2023. <laughs> well, I'm the land of entrapment. Yep, the land, I couldn't have found New Mexico on a map, there and here is. I am. <laughs> yep, the same. So, but as an artist, it was, right, it was a right fit. I felt as though my soul said, this is your place to live. And I love the, the fellowship in Santa Fe, and I still go back all the time to New York and Connecticut because family, friends, my li- I have life there. You know what a creative here told me when I first moved here? When I first moved here, I knocked out a couple of screenplays that I, I'd been procrastinating on for ages. And she said, Santa Fe sits down in a bowl of, <laughs> of rocks and it focuses you and you're going to get stuff done that you never got done in Los Angeles or in your case, the East Coast. Is that... You agree? I 100%. Cuz I'm not real Santa Fe woo woo but it, I am yeah. I'm, I'm not either. However, the East, being in New York City, I had a career in universities and career things. And I was young. Young, and that was what you did. You worked in universities as an artist, uh, had shows. I came to Santa Fe and the painting took off and museum work. Museum work and work helping others. Again, I still I had a counseling degree. I have a master's degree in counseling, so I could be of service in uh, both 
a, a vocation and as advocation, you know, just being of service. So I helped create programs for at-risk youth in the O'Keefe Museum, for Girl Scouts of America throughout the United States that, that were focused on youth looking at the at-risk features were exactly what makes leaders. You know, they're loud, <laughs> they're busy doing their thing. You put that channel into leadership programs, uh, mural projects. I did multiple mural projects. Great. And so my life here has been rich with a variety of ways of sharing my strength, hope, and experience. How has no artist that I've interviewed on this show never mentioned Georgia O'Keeffe until this second? I you you no worked idea. at the O'Keeffe Museum? Is that what you just said? That's what I, yes. So and, you must, and, I, and she's a New York gal that ended up. In, in out here. And she is, when I lived in the East, she was uh, somebody I admired and she inspired me. I went and saw major shows, museum shows in Washington, D.C. and in New York City. And I had no, nowhere on my landscape, future landscape, was the idea of, well, the O'Keeffe Museum didn't even exist. And I moved out here and boom, a connection came and I ended up being uh, a program director for education. (sighs) Wow. Yeah, major. And I still am inspired by O'Keeffe and this beautiful land and the uh, light she was famous for the light yeah everything in it all right so so uh, uh, confirm or dispute did it did a rich guy walk into the o'keefe a few years ago and say i want to buy that and i said sir that's not for sale and he goes i'm going to write a number down on this piece of paper and it was like uh, tens uh, of millions is that is that right great story <laughs> i can't validate it. come on say it's true i'm going to go back and, and loop, loop in you're saying yes we'll use ai to make you say yes that's, that's in all the news now, this AI stuff. This is really us yeah. awesome yapping. Well, okay, um, we're friends. I haven't, I've known you for 10 years, but I haven't seen you in a few years, basically. Might have, might have, might have said hi and bye. But I know you had uh, a day that really nobody, nobody has. The one, <laughs> the one two you had. Talk about it. Okay. Um, all right. So I'm living in a loft. I'm having a great life. Attending, you know, great sobriety, great friends. And uh, some health issues came up. I was in a hospital in 2018 for 11 days. And they did 12 biopsies, couldn't find anything with those biopsies. So let's fast forward, you know, lots of doctor's appointments. January 14th, 2020, I'm sitting in an oncologist's office at Cancer Center. And he looks at me and he goes, Pamela, you have... Two kinds of lymphoma, stage four, in your bones, uh, very serious, and uh, we have to start treatment next week. And, you know, that takes your breath away. So I left there. I went home. I called my sponsor. Now I'm 38 years sober or something, you know, and... She says, you know, I cry. She says to me, I want you to go to a meeting and look for a person who has a problem. I thought that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I did. I went out to mm-hmm. Galisteo, actually, and there was a newcomer there. And he had to share a story. He was crying. I, I just talked to him. It was a great meeting for me. 
Uh, I came home. I was scratching my head. I said, there's no way I'm going to do this treatment. It's going to take my life. Yeah, I was afraid. I mean, I was looking at very good prognosis. At 10 o'clock that night, I, I opened my computer, and there's a letter. And that letter said, Dear Pamela, my name is Tracy. Uh, I We have a 100% match on Ancestry.com. I believe you are my mother. Uh, I would like to be in touch with you. Please let me know one way or the other. So let's go back. I'm 15 years old, Catholic family, 1968. I get pregnant, you know. Boyfriend, sex a couple times, boom, girl, Catholic girl pregnant. Yeah. Shuffled off to home for Edwin Mothers. Beautiful baby girl is born, and in my case, fortunately, placed in an incredible family. Fast forward 2020. I had searched for her for 30 years with no uh, connect. And the day I was diagnosed with the cancer, same the day. same day, hours later. And I had done Ancestry.com three years earlier. So three years had passed since my DNA was floating out there in the media, you know, out there in the land of DNA. I really don't know how... how- they do How that. They connect through, each other you that you way. spit on something and boom, and she spit on something, and and that gets put into a base. No. Now she found found my found me in December of two thousand and nineteen, but she waited because she was getting some counseling. It was Christmas. She was going to see her parents. Or in their 80s. She just needed some time. She was in she, her 40s, yeah? At this she time? was 50. Okay. She chose January 14th. And I, that's that's a miracle. And when I saw that email, all the mother love of 50 years came up in me. And I said, I'm going to live. And Sherman... I've been living, I'm what the doctor calls that rare patient who will choose their own death date because I've looked at prognosis that said two months, organs will stop, six months, this doesn't work out. And my daughter said to me, two months later when I told her I had cancer, I waited. We, we have a great relationship. We connected I let her know about my recovery. My first phone call with her, I made amends. Not a big, lofty, blah, blah, blah. It was, I know that pain had to been caused by you being released for adoption in, in any way that I can be uh, with you, help you in your timeline uh, to unpack that emotional piece of your life, I am here. And my daughter said to me, you did exactly what every 15-year-old Catholic girl would do. You did the best thing. I have a great adoptive family. Thank God. And she said, I know that I found you on the day I found you because God wanted me to be here to help you. And those are her words, you know. My higher power wanted me to live. 
No, my grandchildren. <laughs> They're in their 20s. Um, and we, we all get along. I go well, back we're, to... We're, they're in Connecticut. They lived one oh, mile away from my sister wow. for uh, 12 years. I mean, it, she stayed in Connecticut. Her family was in Connecticut. So I bring that, that experience to so many women and so many people in my life now. When I speak, when I go to the cancer center, I'm still being treated... I let them know miracles happen every day. Some days they're, you know, technicolor, let's make a movie miracle. Yeah. Uh, this, but my life on a daily basis is a miracle of being here today, talking to you, uh, having a friend come over in an hour to help me reconfigure my studio. I still paint. I do my project, Love Letters to Life. Inspires many people across the whole United States, even in Europe. You know, people tune in to Pamela Marcoya. Uh, I see my daughter on a daily basis. She's a, fa- uh, you know, she loves Facebook. She likes social media. We're for social media girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, my family, uh, my friends, I am, I've got a blessed life and I have a lot of life force. So that's why I'm still here. Okay. I know. uh, Okay, I got this. I I really do have this. I heard uh, an old an old timer many years ago. Uh Uh, I think he was on dialysis, pretty 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 much daily. Yeah. He had to drive to a place in L.A. and hook up to a machine for hours, sitting in a chair. And he said this, and I never forgot this. He was he, he obviously was. Ebullient. He had a happy personality. He was a he was a fun. He had a fun way about him, and he said, uh, "People in recovery make really good uh, medical patients, and why wouldn't we?" He goes, we're, "We're it's all one day at a time. We're all here to 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 try to help others and to not not grab what we can and complain." And that I, I'm sure I'm mangling it, but that was the message. And I've always tried to. I've always tried to. Remember that and model that and and be comforted by the fact that it's already true that we're we're good at this shit. Well, yeah. Adver- adversity is kind of we're we're built for it. Yeah. Everything the prior let's say thirty eight years of my sobriety, everything that I learned that I was given as gifts and blessings in my life uh, showed up at the table when I showed up at the cancer center. And I am that person who sits six hours, you know, with a machine. Uh, fortunately, only once a month now. Right now, I'm on some medication, oral, as I speak. Uh, and I can do this a day at a time. I, t- I am, I have a joyful spirit. My spirit, no, it plays in that field. And on those dark days, I know everything to do. Everything. What? That prayer and meditation in the morning. I wake up, if I'm like under a cloud, I go, hey, there's a sun beyond that. Prayer and meditation. I have a, I have a crowd. I have a posse of people that I connect to. I call people and don't say, I'm in a cloud. Well, what's up with you? You know, I reach mm-hmm. out to others. I do that. I go to meetings. I may have 42 and a half years of sobriety. I go to meetings 
five, six times a week, a couple on Zoom. Oh, oh, all of Zoom, you know, thank God for Zoom during the pandemic. I'm grateful it's still happening as we speak. Uh, but I am attending some in-person meetings now and I keep it green and I keep it lively. I look for the joy and the joy is essentially always present, even underneath it, you know, darkness, get to the light. There's some in there. There is some in there. It's what we breathe, you know, my breath, I get, I do breathing that helps in the morning. Actually, right, breathe. I am a channel of love, light, and creativity. I see those words and go, well, walk the talk, girlfriend. <laughs> do you think about the future? I think about some near future possibilities and they, but I live my life a day at a time, hour at a time, near future possibilities, yes. And when you just find out, you know, I became a mother and a grandmother, grandmother in like one phone call, <laughs> one, one, you know, so I have things with them. My mother's 93, visit her. She's in Connecticut. She met my daughter. That was her first grandchild. Big fireworks. This my is incredible. Mother, my mother made amends to me last April on Easter. Made amends to me. She said, I know. I wish I could have kept Tracy and our family. I know that was a very difficult time for you to really, to give her up. Uh, yeah. And it was. I started immediate uh, drugs, you know, intravenous drugs to, to dull the pain. However, my mother at 93, no program. We're not talking Alan on here. Talking lady with a spunky, you know, spirit. Turned to me and and Tracy. Tracy was with me. Me and my daughter. She made amends to us. Boom. (laughs) Okay, this. Your mom, who's around and still got her marbles by all accounts. Yes. Was born in the 1920s. Yes. This... 1930. This, this thing that you went through with giving up your daughter happened in the in the 1960s. Yes. And here it is 2023. This covers a lot of freaking ground. Yes. This is a sprawling saga and every, all the players are here. All the players. Your grandkids, your daughter, yeah. you, your my, mom. My dad didn't get to meet Tracy. He died in 2014. Okay. Bless him. He, but he's around yeah. in spirit. Okay. Uh, her father who was in recovery 25 years. Think of that. Her father. Say that again. Tracy's father, my boyfriend, when I was 15. Okay. He did get to recovery. He was an addict, drunk, you know, drunk, alcoholic. Yeah. We made amends in our 30s. He was in my life until my 40s. Unfortunately, he died. Uh, So she didn't get a chance to meet him but all the players are there and we're all in each other's lives and tracy has larger tracy's family she didn't have brothers and sisters so her family expanded enormously by meeting me 
you know, I'm a theater baby, and this sounds like a <laughs> this sounds like an MGM musical where you're under a little pin spot in front of a closed curtain, and the curtain parts, and the Emerald City's behind you with all these millions of people and millions of things happening. What it's interesting you said the Emerald City because recently on my uh, Love Letters to Life, I grabbed a picture of Dorothy's ruby slippers with the Emerald City. She was looking out, and I talked about you know this uh, incredible. Ruby's ruby shoes that take you on a on a journey that one could never imagine, and uh, that's why I keep showing up a day at a time. It is an incredible, incredible life. How many times did you hear this tired old chestnut in meetings to not give up five minutes before, before the, the miracle? God Almighty! And it happens over and over. And over, because I even thought of that on January 14th, 2020. I said, I left the doctor's office, a cancer center, and said, well, this, the jig's up. I'm going out to, I live in the desert. I'm going to lay down next to a cactus and shrivel up. One email later, miracle, 11th hour, my life. And I'm a miracle. And I love talking with you, Sherman. Thank you. There's no way we're topping this. I'm going to run the, the music and, and uh, wow. 